Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. To take the pulse of an incoming class each year, a philosophy professor at a Christian college conducts the following thought experiment. Imagine you wake up tomorrow to a text message from the People's Republic of China that says, Greetings. We have hacked your phone to bring you this message. By noon today, we will attack your country and, in short order, destroy your financial centers, your centers of power, and military strength. However, we would like to avoid such needless waste, and so we are offering a dramatic solution. If the majority of Americans vote to surrender to our great nation, you can carry on with life and peace and prosperity. Of course, as part of the People's Republic, you will have to let go of such outdated notions as religion and individualism, but you will live a happy life of meaning and purpose in our great nation. However, if the majority of Americans vote to reject our offer, your fathers and sons will die on the battlefield, and your mothers and daughters will drown in their tears. We expect your answer within five minutes of completing this message. The professor then asked his students for a vote. There was a time when the whole class would offer a hearty and unhesitating no vote. But times have changed. In a recent freshman class, the majority voted to surrender. How could these young people who grew up in Christian homes be so willing to abandon their faith? How could they be so weak in the face of opposition, even imagined opposition? The crux of the problem is not the loss of individualism, but the loss of that which we cannot lose. As Christ said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? For few things are needed, or indeed only one. You see, many Western churches today have forgotten their first love. They have forgotten the wonders of the love of the great I Am poured out on sinners, the priceless treasure that caused the man in the parable to sell all he had to obtain it. In our comfort, we have forgotten our dire need, the wages of our sin and our need for repentance. We have mistaken material comfort here and now for peace when true peace is found through the washing of our souls in the blood of Christ. This is the peace we cannot live without. This is the truth that fueled the Reformation, a Reformation we need again today. Martin Luther, the great reformer who ignited the Reformation in Europe in the 1500s, was a monk in a Dominican monastery before he came to understand the gospel. Overburdened with his sin and inability to please God, he would go back to the abbot every hour for confession. And as soon as he would walk out of confession, a thought would pop in his head and he would go back in. Finally, the abbot grew tired of him and said, stop coming back. Luther wanted to please God, but he suffered under the weight of his sin. 
He didn't understand the power of the cross to atone for all his sins, past, present, and future. He didn't understand that it was for freedom that Christ had set him free. He likely commiserated with Paul when he exclaimed, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. He couldn't comprehend the rejoicing that directly followed. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It wasn't until Luther rightly read the word of God and realized that salvation is through faith alone, by grace alone, that his life was transformed. And God's grace poured out in his life and lit Europe on fire. This is the truth about the gospel of grace. It is neither a license for immorality nor a justification for a lack of spiritual discipline It is not scandalous favoritism by God, nor a currency that we earn. It is divine grace that absolutely transforms our hearts so that we delight in pouring out our lives as living sacrifices for our Savior, so that Christ may increase and we decrease. Historians have divided history after Christ's advent into three segments. Pre-modern, modern, and postmodern. The pre-modern time began with the collapse of the Roman Empire in the 4th century, when Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. People from that moment on began to interpret reality in terms of their relationship with God. Their worldview was colored by the Bible. It was the time of the early church fathers who fought heresies in Egypt, modern-day Turkey, and Antioch. They fought and succeeded, blessing us with creeds like the Nicene Creed, crafted in 325 AD. However, the power of the authority that was rightfully accorded to the Word of God gradually shifted to the Roman Catholic Church, a circumstance which ushered in the modern period around the 14th century. In this modern period, there were two competing worldviews, the Reformation and the Renaissance. You see, whenever God is doing something great, Satan is working to hinder that work. The Reformation opened the eyes of Europe, but the Renaissance came nipping at its heels and hijacked the Reformation. The Renaissance gradually fought against Reformed theology, which had returned God and his word to center stage and made instead man the center so that Western civilization, the cry of the time became... I think, therefore I am. Now, here is the important point. Secularism is the direct descendant of the Renaissance. One historian claimed that the Renaissance was when God was dethroned and man was enthroned. This was when humanism and the natural world began to replace a biblical worldview, marginalizing the supernatural By the end of the 19th century, the West had developed the attitude that man can do all things, not through Christ who strengthens him, but if he puts his mind to it. 
this attitude unleashed what has now become known as the postmodern period of history in which we now live. Some historians say we are coming out of a postmodern era, but we won't really know until we can look back from a better vantage point. The postmodern thought that is now flooding our schools, university campuses, workplaces, entertainment industry, social life, and even some churches is that truth is relative, so we should just live our truth. Any truth will do, except Christian truth, which claims to be an absolute truth. This thought pattern has made the pursuit of truth meaningless, morality obsolete, an authority of any kind, an object of scorn and loathing. In the face of such intimidation and hostility, it is tempting to give a little, maybe even defend people's arguments for relativism and godless ideologies under the guise of love. But this quickly snowballs, and before we know it, we're adapting our biblical convictions to the secular worldview, and the Bible is then reinterpreted and rewritten to conform to the world. The youth of this nation are facing intense pressure to conform in the classroom, on the ball fields, in social gatherings, and on social media, everywhere they go. But I want to encourage you, Gen Z is proving to be a generation eager to know the truth, and to believe the truth. I pray we would not waste this opportunity to proclaim the one true gospel faithfully and liberate souls from the chains of sin and death. Paul writes in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. These verses were a turning point for Martin Luther's understanding of the gospel. Here, Paul claims an unequivocal truth for all people. He speaks of a truth counter to the works righteousness of religion. He extols a truth that can free us from legalism, doubt, and shame. He proclaims a truth we all need, a truth worthy to both live and die for, and many have. During the Reformation, a learned bishop in England named Hugh Latimer held a great deal of influence upon the church in England. He had a thorough knowledge of the Bible and was an eloquent orator. However, Latimer did not know Jesus as his personal Savior and Lord. Like many in his day, he thought good works would get him to heaven. But a young monk under his authority by the name of Bilney knew the truth of the gospel and longed to share it with Latimer. He was not renowned nor as educated as the great bishop, so he knew there was a barrier that must be creatively overcome for Latimer to hear and receive the gospel. One day when Latimer was hearing confessions, Bilney saw his opportunity and confessed the gospel to Latimer, who gave his life to Jesus Christ. Bilney's love for Latimer and his faithfulness to boldly share the truth of Jesus ripples throughout history. For it was Latimer's conversion that lit the fire of the English Reformation. He, together with Bishop Ridley and Archbishop Cranmer, ultimately gave their lives 
because of the truth they confessed. They were burned at the stake because they believed in the gospel of grace. As the fire was about to be lit, Latimer exhorted his brother in Christ, Be brave, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day, by the grace of God, light such a candle in England as I trust shall never be put out. These stalwart disciples faced the fire with boldness because the truth of the gospel had consumed their hearts. Having met the true Christ, they echoed Peter with conviction, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. May we too so clearly see the Christ of Scripture and understand the incomparable truth of the gospel that we hold as our lifeblood, our breath, our one needful thing, because it is. The modern loss of truth is tragic. Without truth, it's no wonder so many are floundering in life, untethered from reality. It's no wonder a classroom of Christian college students would vote to give up their freedom and their faith so easily. What we need is a fresh reformation. So many souls today have nothing worth living for, much less worth dying for. They don't look beyond the immediate temporary comforts of this life and so live shallowly treating others and their own bodies, souls, and spirits cheaply. We in the church need our eyes opened again to the beauty and depth of the gospel, like Luther the Reformer. You see, the Reformers never intended us to get stuck looking back at them. They wanted us to experience continuous Reformation, not a new teaching or new theology, but the continuous renewal that God's Word brings to those who feast upon it. We don't need a new truth or our own truth, but the uplifting and soul-satisfying truth of Scripture, of salvation, and divine purpose by grace alone through faith alone. As we celebrate the anniversary of the Reformation, let's pray that God would send us a new awakening to his glory and that many might receive his invitation to salvation and eternal life through the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.